in your baseball life. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, now featuring CBD-infused seltzer to get happy, legal for 18 and up, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller here with you uh, for about the next 50 minutes or thereabouts. Trent's play of the day. Circus Sports sponsors it. It comes up at about 10 minutes before the uh, top of the hour. Brian Walton will uh, help us out with the Cardinals and the Brewers. been a fun three games so far. The getaway game uh, this afternoon in Milwaukee. What's the name of that state? It means Miller Park to you it's and Miller I. It's Miller Park. It's... Is it an insurance... Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's always Miller Park. It's always Miller Park. You get the first naming rights, you get it forever. Right? Minute Maid Park. And, and it's, Never and it's, Enron. It's hard to get that name out of my mind, right? Yes. I, it's hard for me to forget that one. David Eichel joins us. Hawkeye Insider under the 24-7 umbrella. So much American Family to. Field. American Family Field. Thank you. Hello, David Eichel. Trent and Ken, how have you been? Hey, things have been going good. Ken, you haven't been on the past couple times I've been on. Good to... Uh, Good to hear your soothing voice over the airwaves. Well, glad that you're here, um, and I'm going to miss Monday as well, Trent Condon. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to. I don't care. I'm going to say I'm going to colonoscopy, and everybody that uh, is eligible to or at that point should do it because I'm getting it's getting close. It's not the funnest experience, right. um, but it can save lives. So if mm-hmm. indeed, um, don't put it off, guys. Don't put it off. I know, uh, I know a lot of you do. Uh, David, uh, so much ground. Let's get into it. Obviously, the news tonight is going to be Keegan Murray. Uh, Trent, Fred Brown went six overall. What do you think, David? Is there a um, Do we have to rewrite a little history as far as Hawkeyes in the NBA draft? Where do you have Keegan Murray ending up? Yeah, so, you know, earlier this week I reported that, you know, the Portland Trailblazers I thought were going to try to trade up just based on what I'd been hearing. But, you know, with Jeremy Grant now moving to Portland, I really don't know if that's going to be a good opportunity for him anymore. I know there's a lot of talk about Purdue staying out guard Jay and Ivy going to the Sacramento Kings, but Jay and Ivy has not even worked out with the Kings. Mm-hmm. And the Kings really like Keegan Murray. And I think when you throw in, you know, Davion Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, you throw in Keegan with that bunch. That's a fun young core. But, you know, the reality is with Sacramento, you start out a king and you become a court gesture <laughs> because there's a laughing stock of a franchise in yeah. the NBA right now, right? So I think he'd be a really good fit there. But I also would feel very confident with Detroit moving Jeremy Grant. Yes, they still have Sadiq Bay, but I really think that it's going to be impossible for Detroit to pass up. On, on Keegan Murray. I think I know they're looking at maybe Shaden Sharp out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played basketball in a year and a half. Jane Ivey, if he's available there, they might take him. But, you know, I, I really don't like the combination of Jane Ivey and Cade Cunningham. They both need the ball to really create. And I think when you throw in Luca, not Luca Garza, Keegan Murray with, uh, <laughs> with, with Cade Cunningham, I think that's a great combination. So I really don't see Keegan flipping below number five. And I don't, I think most of uh, the insiders I've talked to and and people connect to the NBA. I don't think they do either. But if for some reason he's available at number six, I think him and Tyrese Halliburton would be a lot of fun in Indiana as well. 
David, you obviously work a lot in the recruiting realm at realm of twenty four seven sports. And last year, Luca Garza, National Player of the Year, a draft pick. We've seen Wieskamp drafted here as of late. Aaron White, even back to Devin Marble, guys that have been drafted. What does this do though in comparison when you're talking to recruits saying, "Hey, we had a guy under the radar guy. We turned him into a lottery selection." What does that do? What kind of attention does that help for Fran and the staff when they're out on the recruiting trail? Massive. And I think at the end of the day, too, it just increases Iowa, you know, the national brand for Iowa basketball. Because, yes, there's been some criticism of Fran, especially, you know, whether it be the transfer pool, not making a sweet 16. But, look, I would argue, Keegan, you could argue Keegan Murray is the best player in college basketball last year. I thought he was the best big-time player, hands down, maybe alongside Kofi Coburn. I thought Johnny Davis sort of slacked near the end of the year. Yep. but. You know, he, he was a big clutch playmaker as well. But when you get guys that are going to be lottery picks, you have guys winning national awards, you have a fun style of offense, Iowa consistently being in the top 25 now, it really will help on the recruiting trail. And, you know, it, it's not going to surprise me if we hear some news on the basketball recruiting front over the next couple of days. So there's your little tease for that. Interesting. going to be paying off on that realm as well. Um, and I think you also throw in the fact that, you know, I think people expect Chris Murray to be a lottery pick next year as well. I think he expects that out of himself. I think at no worse he'll go lower than top 20 next season. So, you know, you get all that. You get Luca Garza. You know, if Chris Murray becomes an All-American as well, I mean, there's a lot of things going well for Iowa basketball. I think without Luca Garza, without Keegan Murray, is Iowa playing against Duke and Madison Square Garden this year? I, I don't think so. Yeah. Interesting point. Uh, great analysis and a little tease there, so we'll watch for that in the next, what, 48 hours by Monday you think we'll have some news along the recruiting lines as far as uh, the men's basketball program? Potentially. Okay. Potentially. I, I won't say too much, though. Are All we right. looking to the Quad Cities? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> You know, who knows? Quad cities could be north, south, east, or west. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, could go, come from anywhere. Good stuff. Uh, well, let's get to that basketball team. The uh, media uh, had an opportunity to uh, you know spend some time with some of the uh, uh, returnees for next year. I'm excited about this team. I really am. I think that I think both of the teams in this state, uh, both of the Power Fives or Power Six, Power Seven, whatever for basketball, where, wherever you draw the line, I think they're both going to be good. Yes, Keegan's not going to be there, and we. The Bohannon is uh, has graduated, etc. Uh, but there's certainly parts of this team I, I'm excited about. What did you learn, if anything, or maybe a couple of your takeaways? Maybe not what you learned, but a couple of your takeaways from your media avail earlier in the week, David. I think this is a confident group. I think that you know Patrick McCaffrey said he expects Peyton Sanford to make maybe three times as many threes as he did last year, and you know 34 times three would be a really good number for Iowa basketball if that happens. I think Tony Perkins is the guy that could also break out. I, again, I think Peyton Sanford could be Iowa's second-league scorer this year. I'm very high on him. And he's still growing. I mean, he grew right. an inch and a half over the past offseason, which is just wild to me. And, you know, I think how self-aware the team is and how honest that they've been in re-evaluating themselves. I mean, Patrick McCaffrey, you know, he, I think he, he was, he had, he's a really good player. Had a couple big games last year. I think he ended the year confidently. But there's been a lot of frustration with him driving in, maybe taking some off-balance shots off one foot, driving in, not knowing what he's going to do, maybe not passing out. Uh, Patrick said he wants to play more on two feet this year when he drives in. I think that's, you know, again, critical analysis. And I think that's going to help going forward. But, you know, I think that they feel pretty confident in their point guard situation. I think DeSante Bowen has a high ceiling. I think he needs to continue to put on some strength. Tony Perkins could slide over there as well. Connor McCaffrey, Aaron Eulis wants to become more of a vocal leader. And I think the big thing for me is Philip Robracha 
and just seems so much more confident. He's been working on his jump shot, taking and making threes, according to Aaron Eulis, which I thought was pretty intriguing. And another player who I thought really had a good interview was Riley Mulvey. He just said, look, you know, Fran dipped in the portal. We understood why. Iowa didn't land anybody, you know, a big man in the portal. And Riley just said it's up for it's up to Phillip, Josh, and myself to step up and show that we deserve that role and deserve those starting caliber minutes and that we can contribute. And I thought Riley was very transparent when he said, look, I had too much fun last year. I thought I took it seriously, but now I know what the workload's like, and he wants to be that big rim protector for Iowa this year. And if you can do that with Iowa shooting, uh, I think it's definitely going to be an intriguing team to watch, especially when you can go two through four six foot seven six foot eight six foot nine Hmm, how about that hawkeye insiders david eichel joining us here as we take a look around basketball what about the buzz on desante bowen ulis i don't know if he's ever a a 30 minute a game caliber starting point guard he's a nice piece but bowen a lot of buzz a guy that fran identified very early uh, for him what have we seen early on what have you heard the buzz about him and his first couple of uh, go-throughs and practices with the basketball team yeah, you know, I agree with you about Aaron Eulis. I think Aaron Eulis is a perfect backup point guard, yep. and that's not a, a diss at him whatsoever. He can, he controls the pace of the game. He brings great energy. If he can improve his three-point shot, I think that would go a long way. And he just he always seems to be in control and can play with different gears. I think DeSante Bowen, uh, from what I've heard, he's been really good in practice. I remember hearing Buzz when he officially visited Iowa last year, and he scrimmaged against some of the players. I mean, DeSante Bowen was one of the best players on the court. Wow. at that time, which, you know, of course, perks up my ears. But I think the big thing for him is similar to Joe Toussaint. DeSante Bowen needs to slow down, continue to learn the college game. I think that decision-making can be frustrating early on. But, you know, I think he's a decent enough shooter. I think that he's a guy that isn't afraid to finish over the top of people. He makes, you know, I think pretty decent decisions as far as passing the ball. But, again, I think the big thing for him is to be letting the game come to him changing gears and controlling the pace of the game because Iowa is going to have shooters on the outside. And if he can do that, I really think that DeSante Bowen can step in immediately. Now, is he going to earn starting caliber point guard minutes right away? I think it's a little bit too soon to say that, but I do think that he can definitely get some rotational, uh, rotational minutes at point guard. So last year I bought, if if you could, I would have bought stock in Peyton uh, Sanford, and I think I'm going to be rewarded from it. Um, I, I'm better than the stock market. That's true, and I'm not backing down this year. I'm, I'm once again uh, going, and it's Riley Mulvey. And for whatever reason, Trent and I had this conversation I don't know, early in the week at some point uh, between uh, you know uh, him and uh, Gondale uh, as far as minutes, right? Who's how are these things going to work out? I think that Riley Mulvey's going to end up being the guy. I, you know, we didn't see a lot of him last year, saw him in spurts, didn't take a lot of shots. I, I'm in on this kid. I mean, he, was a high, he should have been in high school last year. Let's, we, we tend yeah. to forget that. Where are you on Riley Mulvey and, and his potential impact? I think he's one of the big, you know, I think just the center position in general is just a big X factor for this team. I mean, Iowa's going to need to rebound the ball better because I still think they're a little bit undersized in some areas, but and I think this is Fran's maybe most unique roster he's ever had because again you can go six foot seven to six foot nine, two through five, right? Then maybe Tony Perkins at point guard, who's a legitimate six foot four, six foot five. I'm a big fan of Riley Moldy. I think that the potential's there. I think last year was an eye opener for him. And again, talking to him, he just said, "I'm taking it much more seriously 
now. I know what it takes to really compete at this level. And he mentioned that he did play four minutes in the Big Ten Championship. He picked up an early foul, didn't record any stats. But if you remember, I thought he really did a good job of adjusting shots in the paint. And I know some people really point at Adam Woodbury, and I think he gets a bad rep to some extent. Yes, he never developed offensively. But his defensive communication and ability to alter shots despite the lack of pure blocks, I thought was underappreciated for the most part. And Riley Mulvey said he wants to be that lockdown rim protector. And if you throw in that, with a guy, if he can get four to five rebounds a game in 15, 16 minutes a game, maybe have a putback or two, and just control the paint, I think that's going to go a long, long way with this team. I don't want to say it's, I'm not going to buy stock into him, but I want to see the year-to-year jump early in the non-conference season when he gets those opportunities. How does he take advantage of that? And I think the big thing that I'll be looking for, which I think will dictate how much he plays, is how is he using his body in the paint on offense and defense? If he can really learn to utilize his strength and his size to his advantage and not foul, I think I don't think he'll be a liability on the floor. If he doesn't understand that quite yet, you might need to keep throwing him in uh, some of these non-conference games that are quote-unquote cupcake or, or warm-up games. So, David, want to jump over to football and some football recruiting with you and fill us in. So you hopped on last night with Tyler Kluver of the Washed Up Walk-Ons podcast, and there's some uh, talk about it. Now, I haven't had an opportunity to listen yet to see exactly what was said about Caden Proctor and, and the collective that's still not officially in place for Iowa, though very close to getting off the ground. Fill us in on the details and what you can tell us on that front and hanging out for 15 minutes with Kluver, always an experience. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no doubt on that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was interesting because I, I had heard some rumblings behind the scenes. I was surprised Tyler brought it up. But, you know, I'll, I'll allude to what I've said about this entire process with Kane Proctor. Iowa's done a great job with him. If you're trying to get the number one offensive tackle in the country, you have to have some sort of NIL opportunities in place. That's just the reality that we live in the college, you know, the college landscape of things. And I've said, yes, Alabama's going to have a lot to offer him. But there is no place that can offer him immediately more than Iowa. Because even if he's a third or fourth string, it's a five-star hometown kid, the highest-rated recruit in the state of Iowa history. If he comes to Iowa, there's no doubt that he's going to be an instant, quote-unquote, NIL-slash-marketing sort of star. I mean, it's going to be similar to Xavier Wampa. And as the collective continues to be put into place, I mean, you know Wampa is going to continue to be, I think, one of the biggest earners on Iowa's football team i think proctor if he commits to iowa it it could be the same thing so uh, it will not surprise me any number that gets thrown out there for proctor because again i think Iowa's going to have to find a way to match some of these other programs that you know are are probably offering him some some pretty hefty money how did uh do you think is alabama using the ross piercebacher analysis and the success that he has to you know you come down here you can play for national championships they have to be using that in their favor right during recruiting yeah i mean i i would think so i mean there's certainly a lot of talk on our alabama message board about you know is it gonna be another ross piercebacher situation but keep in mind piercebacher was actually committed to iowa split proctor hasn't committed yet and i've said all along if iowa if there's one school that Iowa fans could stomach losing Proctor to, it's the University of Alabama, because what can you say about Alabama? They win national championships. They churn out first-round draft picks. They get, to, like I said, they get to the NFL. They're going to be dominant in the NIL space. And dudes want to play with ballers. And Caden Proctor's clearly a baller. But again, 
I think if Proctor commits to Iowa, I think dudes, again, dudes want to play as ballers. Proctor could be a, a cornerstone and foundational piece for what Iowa wants to do. And remember, Xavier Wampa, after he committed, Iowa ended up getting three more defensive backs that were pretty highly rated. Mm-hmm. So Wampa is just sort of the tip of the iceberg. I, I think Proctor could be the same thing for the offensive line. Big recruiting weekend coming up uh, here for Iowa. What can you tell us on that front? Who are some of the names that we should be keeping an eye on, both locally on a national scale that I will be bringing in? Yeah, I think this is, again, a huge weekend for, for Iowa football. Obviously, Kane Proctor is going to be the headliner. Mm-hmm. But I think you also got to look at a couple guys like Trevor Locke, offensive lineman. Uh, Logan Holland, who's this uh, tight end for four-star Iowa quarterback commit, Marco Linus. He'll be making his official visit. Zach Ortworth, tight end has offers from Wisconsin, Illinois. I think he's the guy that can pull the trigger shortly after. And Chris Tarek, who's taking official visits to Wisconsin, Michigan, Illinois. A four-star guy. I think he's going to be an absolute stud uh, during his college career. I think Iowa, I don't want to say he's the leader in the clubhouse there, but I also think that they've done really a tremendous job in this recruitment. It will not surprise me if if they end up landing them. But I, I would put the over-under at probably three-and-a-half, maybe even four-and-a-half over the next mm. couple of weeks about guys that I think Iowa could land. I think it's going to be an absolutely massive weekend. Another wide receiver, big X receiver, Jaron Tibbs, down to Iowa and Purdue. Iowa's done a great job on that front as well. And then defensive line, keep an eye on Kenneth Merriweather and Kendrick Gilbert as well as Jordan Allen. I think both those, all three of those guys have potential. And then Austin Newsom. Uh, out of Waverly Shellrock, linebacker, will be making his official visit as well, and Khalil Tate, who's down to Wisconsin, Illinois, and Iowa. So it's going to be a huge weekend. Again, it will not surprise me if Iowa comes out of this with with three, four, maybe even five commits over the next few weeks. Good stuff, David Eichel. We'll watch for that basketball news should it happen as well. Hawkeye Insider, part of 24-7 Sports. David Eichel joining the program. David, great to catch up with you. We will do so again in a couple of weeks. Thank you, David. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Take care. Yep, good to hear from you, David Eicholt, as we catch up on the Hawks. Uh, the um, Did you read Chad Leistikow's piece? Uh, he had an opportunity to speak with Ferentz. I have not yet, no. It, it's, a good, it's a really good rest. I heard Chad on Hawk Central last night, right. driving and, to my baseball game. And they they brought this. Mm-hmm. So I'm, where I'm going with you is the advisory committee that has been disbanded. Look, I think it was, it's obviously was put in place for the right reasons. I thought David Porter crossed the line. Mm-hmm. He did. You know, I mean, he, he, that's not what it's for. It's not for X's and O's and criticizing the head coach. I don't blame Ferris. Where we will criticize, if indeed we have a, the need arises, is is if there's, you know, they don't continue to take the progress mm-hmm. that we assume that they've made and build on it. And Leistikow pointed out, and I know that a lot of media, and I trust them. I know a lot of the audience don't, but yeah. I believe and trust the Knights of the Keyboard. But when they say that that Ferentz is essentially turning this over to Lou Montgomery and Liz Tovar, who I have no idea who she is, but she's apparently really well-respected, and Kakert and Doc and everybody after that piece was posted came out and said, look, if it's, if it's Lou and Liz, then they think that this will even go further than it was headed under Porter's leadership. So, proof's going to be in the pudding. Yes. And I and I don't believe for a second that this is going to die, that the media will continue to check, air quote, check in on these things to make sure that the um, the players are comfortable with their experience playing in Iowa City for the Hawks. We're two years into this now. We have heard... Nothing but good things. Uh, nothing but good things mm-hmm. from 
African American minority mm-hmm. players, even guys that have left. There has been no. But let's not kid ourselves. I mean, it was the change was necessary. It was, and there is no doubt about mm-hmm. that. So, the steps were there. You're not seeing mass defections happening nope. inside the program. In fact, this is one of the least amount of transfers in this transfer era of any Power Five college football team that they have had. On the surface, it looks good. And we'll take it on the surface mm-hmm. level right now. But because, we won't forget about it. But won't forget about right. it. That's a great way to put it. Don't forget. Remember it's out there. Yeah. And when the question needs to be asked again, we'll ask the questions again. And, and, I, and I believe that that will happen, whether it be Doc or whether it be any of them. Um, th- this, is, uh, this was a huge topic uh, within the last couple of years. All right, let's move on. Time, Trent, for another $1,000 home run. <laughs> Go to KXNO.com. Once you get there, enter the keyword bonus, bonus at KXNO.com. Your chance to win $1,000, bonus at KXNO.com. We will talk a little MLB for a few minutes with our buddy Brian Walton from the CardinalNation.com. Brewers and Cardinals, highly entertaining three games thus far. Cardinals have a 2-1 to edge in that series. They will wrap that up this afternoon at guaranteed American, American Family Field. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, American. I remember that. Think of Aaron Rodgers. Okay. That's the commercial he does, right? I don't know. He's uh, he's State Farm, oh. isn't he? Yeah, he's State Farm. <laughs> well, that's, he's not, State Farm. that's not very good at No. Yeah, no, he's State Farm. We will uh, take a timeout, come back, talk a little MLB. Cardinals and Brewers. Going to be a fun, fun summer watching these two teams go at each other. Uh, the Cubs are in St. Louis for the weekend. This normally would be a pretty big weekend. It was. There'd be big-time buzz, uh, that Friday night game. Yes. It would be huge. We'd be talking about it leading into the mm-hmm. weekend now. Not a not a care. Mm, no. Uh, we'll take a timeout. MLB conversation next. Brian Walton and then Trent's plays of the day. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 K for details. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Was a long lead. You're, you're waiting for it to kick in. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. This is I, the first concert I ever saw, by the way. That's a pretty yeah, good one. Yeah, it wasn't bad. wasn't bad. Mine was Bush. Eh. No. Mary Condon, welcome back. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trends play of the day coming up. I got a prop I want to ask him before we get to the play of the day. We'll do that in about 10, 15 minutes. Right now, Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Uh, Brian, Trenton, Ken, as I've said throughout the morning, I have thoroughly enjoyed the first three games, the Cardinals and the Brewers. Uh, buckle up. We're going to see these two teams go after each other uh, for the rest of the season uh, because the other, I mean, Pirates, Cubs, and Reds are all also rounds. It's a two-team race for the division, and this series has been fun to watch. How are you, Brian Walton? I'm doing great, and the answer is Elton John, Omaha Civic Auditorium. Not bad. Yeah, that's a good one. Not bad at all. Anyway. Anyway, so, yeah, this game today is really important this afternoon, game between the Cardinals and the Brewers. Of course, every game's a big game, but these two teams don't play again until mid-August, and wow. then they have three more seasons, three more uh, series, one in August, two in September to close the season. So this is a great opportunity for one of these teams to, you know, take the series and, um, you know, potentially position themselves. Just lost you. Are you there, Brian? I don't think he is. I think we lost him in mid-sentence. Yeah. Well, let's try and rehook. Brian, if you can hear us, we cannot hear you. Uh, we're going to we're going to get back. Um, yeah. I mean, look, Wainwright was decent yesterday. 
in that start. Flaherty, there's still some work to be done uh, with him. Uh, you know, did the Cardinals make the right decision bringing him up instead of you know going through the minors, etc., for his rehab? They've uh, thrust him right in, and they're trying to build his uh, arm strength up and do so at the major league level. Is that the right thing to do? Brian Walton is back with us. Brian, we lost you mid-sentence. Uh, apologies, not sure whose end it was, but regardless, you're back with us now. Uh, finish your thought, Brian, before we move on. Well, I was going to say the Cardinals and Brewers don't play again till mid-August. Then they have three more uh, series to close the year. And the, the Cardinals are coming into a stretch where they should be able to pick up some extra wins. They have to play Chicago and Miami at home, and they're a combined uh, 22 games under 500. whereas the Brewers have to play two tough teams from the AL East in Toronto and Tampa Bay. So, you know, this game is important to obviously establish a division lead and a little dominance of one team over the other. But this is a stretch, you know, heading up toward the All-Star break in which the Cardinals have a golden opportunity to potentially establish some distance between them and the Brewers in the division. How about yesterday we see Johan Ovideo get a win in what, first time nearly 700 days for him. A great performance, three strikeouts out of the bullpen and just another piece. And today's baseball, you need so many Mm -hmm. arms to make it through. What are your thoughts uh, long term about him and, and what kind of piece he can be in the pen? Ovia is a Cuban, you know, physically very, very impressive. Mm-hmm. But he was one that unfortunately got called, unfortunately for him, got called up before he was ready. And we're talking about, you know, during the COVID year in which the Cardinals had to play so many makeup games. And he got brought up and, and got banged around a little bit as a starter in the major leagues, has gone back and forth. And, you know, if he can establish himself as a long reliever, along with the lefty Zach Thompson, who we saw also pitch very, very well in this series, that's going to help a major issue for the Cardinals. And that is that they really have only had three dependable relievers all year long. So if Thompson and Oviedo can step up and help that bullpen, that'll be a big uh, boost for them. A guy I want to talk about who I think a lot of uh, Cardinal fans are going to be wearing this jersey before long is is Nolan Gorman. Boy, a couple <laughs> of home runs the other night. Speaking of uh, speaking of uh, physical players, this guy is built like a brick. You know what? He hits the ball a ton. They I know we spoke about him last week, Brian, when you joined us on the fly there. But they've got something in this kid. Yeah, and you know, Noah Gorman was a, a high school star coming out of the uh, Phoenix area, and he slipped down to the Cardinals. I don't think the Cardinals expected to get Nolan Gorman in the first round, but you know, a number of teams passed up on him, and I'm not going to say it's going to be a mistake to the uh, to the uh, magnitude of a Mike Trout, but for him to you know get to the Cardinals it was proven to be a, a wonderful thing for him, and he's shown power. There's uh, concerns about the strikeouts, certainly, but anytime you know a guy can hit home runs like we've seen out of Nolan Gorman, there's a place for him in the major leagues. We're just two starts into the return of Jack Flaherty. It has not gone very well. Control has been an issue. He's coming off pretty significant shoulder fatigue and in concerns about that. How big are your concerns right now with Flaherty? And maybe not even to get back to a guy that can be you know, a top five Cy Young candidate, but just be a guy you can count on come the playoffs to be a starter. Well, Trent, you know, you hit the nail on the head, and that is that it's one thing to get into the playoffs, but the teams that we see go deep in the playoffs have those shutdown starters, you know, like a Scherzer, uh, like a Bueller, that, that are going to go deep into the game and you know are going to keep the opponent to maybe one or two runs. And the Cardinals don't really have that. And that guy was Jack Flaherty a couple of years ago since then, the shoulder issues. And anytime you're talking about shoulders, you're worried. You know, has he changed his motion? Has he changed his mechanics? You know, is he trying to compensate for, for discomfort? We don't really know any of that. We know 
know that he went to the minor leagues, pitched okay, you know, pushed his way back up, and has shown that you know he's not ready to be the Jack Flaherty of old yet. And your guess is as good as mine as to whether he's able to figure it out physically. Uh, where are you on Adam Wainwright? Seemingly, he's given up more runs than. Uh, I mean, look at he's forty years old for crying out loud. Um, but he seemingly they're starting not figure him out, but they're they're, they're scoring some runs on him. What's he doing differently? Uh, the teams are you know having success against Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright hasn't done anything different in ten years. You know he really hasn't. You know he continues to rely on the pinpoint command and that and that shutdown curveball to get him out of jams. And his ERA for the season is still three point three two, which is roughly tied. You know for uh, second in the on the team after Miles Michaelis had a tremendous year. So you know I'm not concerned about Adam Wainwright, but to expect him to you know come in and win 15 games and and you know lead the lead the team at this point in his career is probably not. Uh, not realistic, but you know, again, he's the the front end of the rotation is not the problem. Michaelis, Wainwright, even Dakota Hudson, who's pitching today, they've been fine. The problem is the back end of the rotation right now, which is you know who who are those guys behind them? Stephen Matz has been hurt. Jordan Hicks flamed out, got injured. Of course, we we talked about uh, Jack Flaherty, and so they've you know they've got to get a couple more dependable starters, and they're you know they're they're trying the rookie Andre Palante in that role as well, and we'll see. Uh, he's been fine out of the bullpen, but you know he's not a big strikeout guy. Tyler O'Neill went back to St. Louis to have the hamstring looked at. It's a hamstring injury, which always can be scary. Mm-hmm. just feels like those linger. Uh, they found, what, a grade one minor tear in there. They sound like the Cardinals hope that he's going to be able to ramp things up pretty soon. Where are you? What are your anticipations with Tyler O'Neill? Well, you know, it's it's disappointing because Tyler O'Neill had such a, a great 2021. I mean, I don't know if, if folks realized, you know, how good his year was. He was recognized... Uh, across baseball as uh, number eight in the MVP voting. So, I mean, Tyler O'Neill was a guy that they were counting on along with um, Dylan Carlson to really anchor this roster. And instead, O'Neill struggled, and then he was injured the first time, then he came back, and he was just starting to play well. And then, as you said, he suffered that hamstring injury. And so, you know, they'd really like to get him back in the lineup for multiple reasons, including the fact that, you know, they're having to play Juan Yepes in the outfield, and that's, you know, that's not necessarily a good thing defensively. Well, we both think, Trent and I both think, that the Cardinals are uh, now the, the team to beat. You just mentioned it. The, uh, the Brew Crew gets the Blue Jays, who have an off day today before they head up there, and then here comes Tampa. So you would think that uh, the Cardinals should be able to put a little daylight, depending on how things go today. If you had your way, because the trade deadline's what, five weeks away, six weeks away, whatever it yeah. is, it's coming mm-hmm. up, it's coming quickly. Where, where do you think the card, what needs do the Cardinals have that, that should be addressed if this team is going to, you know, get past some of the heavy heads, uh, out west and, of course, the Mets in the east? I think a starting pitcher, and you know the Cardinals have shown in the past that they've done a good job at getting guys late in their career, you know who might be rebound candidates, and then they need some bullpen help as well. And you know maybe Hicks will provide some of that, but I think they definitely need to go out and try to get some pitching. And they've got some they've got some possibilities to trade. Paul DeYoung is playing better at AAA, and he's a guy that seems to have sort of you know lost his shot with St. Louis, but you know maybe able to help another team. So they do have some you know trade potential guys that might interest other teams. Um- I don't know if the Cardinals would ever do this, Brian. I'm going to run something by you. Uh, Yadi Molinas, uh, I believe he's on the injured list again. Uh, their backups have not been great. With the, with what Molina has meant to that franchise, but it's all about winning, right? It's all about winning that World Series. Is there any way they would entertain trying to find a catcher? I mean, I know there's one 
the rival, right, that's going to be in, in uh, St. Louis this weekend. Uh, Wilson Contreras is available. Not necessarily Contreras, but would they ever look to replace Molina down the stretch of what will be his final year in order to, you know, to upgrade that position, which, you know, at this point in Molina's career, i, I got to think there's a chance they would upgrade this position. I, I would say... I would say not, but again, as you mentioned, there's five weeks to go. And the reason I say that is Yvonne Herrera, 22-year-old, he's on the cusp of top 100 prospects list nationally. We've seen that the um, the other backup, Andrew Kisner, doesn't have the bat to be nope. a starter in the major leagues, it doesn't look like. But Yvonne Herrera is just getting his first chance. He's in the lineup today as well. He's getting his first chance to show whether he can be that catcher of the future. And I think if Herrera gets a shot over the next month, doesn't produce, then they've got to look at that position and say, you know, can Molina be healthy? Can he be productive? Or should they go get some help and have a different catcher job share with Molina the rest of the year? Because I think certainly in his swan song, they're going to find ways to play Yadier Molina just like they found ways to play Albert Pujols. Mm -hmm. Although, Again, Pujols should never, ever see a right-handed pitcher ever, and for some reason they're continuing to do that. But a different discussion for a different day. Yeah, I wanted to go with Pujols to get you out of here. He uh, hasn't got a hit here over the last week. He is three for his last 21, seven for his last 45. We know he's at the end. But, you know, it gets to a point where there very well could be a roster crunch uh, come mm-hmm. playoff time. Do you put him on the roster for the playoffs? It's Pujols. He is an iconic figure, but... Where is that conversation, and and how difficult of a decision would that be for the front office if they have to go that route and cut bait? I touched that on that already, Trent. I think the issue is that they they want to – I was in Boston last week with them, and they had a nice ceremony, and they gave Pools number five Uh off the Green Monster and all that. That's great. But – they can't play him against right-handed pitching. He showed in Los Angeles he can't hit right-handed pitching. So they, if, as long as they just use him against left-handed pitchers, he's going to be fine. But with the injuries and the temptation for the curtain calls and the swan songs and all that, they're putting in pools in situations where he's not going to succeed. And you're right, there's a roster crunch. There's only four, guy, four hitters on the bench. So, you know, you want to have guys that can come in and be productive. But I think they've made their call on Pujols that he's going to be here this year uh, unless something dramatic happens. I, I just can't see them releasing him. Right. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com, thecardinalnation.com. Brian, we'll talk to you a bunch in the weeks ahead. This can be a fun race to watch between the Brewers and the Redbirds. Thank you, Brian. Take care. Yep, good to hear from you. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. All right, Trent, before we get to break and we come back with your circuit play of the day, I've got a prop I want to run by you. All right. Uh, if you're not on Twitter, Arch Manning has just committed. He's going to be a Longhorn. Yes. Arch Manning is headed to Texas. Texas is headed to Ames next year. Maybe. Maybe. Scheduled. Scheduled to appear in Ames. Right. Iowa State plays in Austin this year, so Texas would come back next year. My prop that I offer to you is will Arch Manning ever play in Ames? Uh, The last big name, well, Kevin Durant didn't, uh, because that was before they had the home Uh at home. Um, I'm not saying it. Well, Arch Manning may be. Uh, talked about in that rarefied era, some of the, the the expectations around this kid. Does Arch Manning take a snap at Jack Trice Stadium? No, because Quinn Ewers is still there. Is Arch Manning on the sidelines at Jack Trice Stadium? No, because that game's not going to happen. I don't think it is either. I think that the Texas and Oklahoma will leave. We got the year. American Athletic Conference teams coming in next uh-huh. year. Yep. The SEC About money this time next year exactly. But Texas is happy to pay the buyout. It's Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma does not have the same kind of money to pay right. the buyout. 
Much like we saw in the American Athletic Conference. Those teams... Negotiate. Negotiated. Same thing with Maryland and Rutgers when they left uh-huh. their conferences. And I think the same thing ultimately is going to happen here. I do not believe we are going to see for one year even a 14-team Big 12 conference. I'm with you. Yes is plus 450. Oh, I'm not going to lay it. I'm saying <laughs> We'll take a time out. What is he going to play? Well, we'll find out next. It's uh, time for Trent's Play of the Day. Circus Sports sponsors that. Stand by. Coming up after these messages on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3. Your side. Trent's Pick of the Day is brought to you by Circus Sports. Download the Circus Sports app today to play with Trent or against him. All right, final couple of minutes here on a Thursday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Well, I'll say this about Arch Manning. He's not ducking the competition, no. right? Because yours was the number one quarterback in his class, correct? He was, yes. Well, how's this going to shake out? One of them's going to leave. One of them's going to leave. Arch is not going there to sit. No, he's not. So, Quinn, well, we'll see. Figure it out. Now, what if he goes out, throws 40 touchdowns, they uh, go 10-2? and two. And maybe Arch decides to go to, maybe Alabama wasn't so bad or Georgia wasn't so bad after all. He does have to sign till December. That's this is true. a non-binding commitment. That's very true, Trent. A long season yep. still in front of us. I, I was uh, peeking through. I told you I got, what is it, Athlon over here. Mm-hmm. We're going to go a little bit deeper. They have the coaches series where coaches talk about other programs, kind of fun. We'll oh, talk I about. like that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Iowa and Iowa State, if not, probably not tomorrow, but sometime next week, sure. we'll definitely get into that. But uh, one thing I found interesting, they have six teams in the Big 12 finishing between six and three and five and four. Wow. If it's that cobbled up, that's why my West Virginia pick at 40 to one. Like, I don't think they're going to win, but at 40 mm-hmm. to one, and I think they're going to be one of those teams uh, in there. All right. Uh, speaking of picks, what are you betting? Who are your plays of the day? Circus Sports sponsors. What are you doing? We're jumping back aboard with the Guardians again today. Why not? That'd be a sweep, right? It would be a sweep. Yeah. A game lead. Twins need this one. A lot of hurt feelings last night watching the post game show. Some frustrated Minnesotans last be. night. Plus 119 with Plesak on the mound for the Guardians here today against Devin Smeltzer. I'm getting plus money against Smeltzer? Yeah, sign me up for that. Also plus yeah, his money. his last outing was not good. Give me Dakota Hudson plus 108 against Jason Alexander. Not the guy from Seinfeld. No, 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 no. But he might be a little bit better. That yeah, Alexander guy, he's not good. Costanza's actually better. <laughs> Give me Costanza. I will take Dakota Hudson plus 108. And one more. Yankees-Astros tonight. It's uh, Jamison Talon on the bump. Minus 121, though, is all the price against Valdez uh, for the Astros here. So I'll go with one favorite tonight. It is the Yankees. Minus 121. And these prices, I looked at them again today. Circa betting baseball. We talk about it in golf. I bet Mito Pereira, he's yep. dead already. But he was 42-1 to at Circa. Other properties, he was 30-1. to mm. Shop Just around. Do the math. Yep. Same thing here in baseball. All three of these games, we're talking about 15 to 20 cent advantage betting on Circa. That's that's remarkable. Uh, all right. Do we get history made tonight when it comes to Keegan Murray? Does he go fifth or better? And if he does, he will see his name in the record books. No, it's Iowa basketball, so no. We, we Where do you it. think he goes? I think he still goes six. You think he's going to be a pacer? I think that's where he's going to go. All right. Well, I'm going to watch. Are you? Is that on your yes. plan tonight? Yeah, putting that on there. Got the Twins this afternoon, so yeah. don't have to worry yeah, about watching a lot that of day train baseball. A lot of yeah. day baseball. All right, we're out of time. Murph and Andy coming up in an hour, five minutes. The Fanatics at three. Uh, Barnstormer Weekly tonight with Joe Stacy at six. We're Miller and Condi. You can hear Trent and I weekdays from 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.